Do you want to hear the greatest story? Yeah, I do. Oh my god, Bon Jovi sound checking. We got to see this. But then we hear um, the guy whistling to a microphone. Yeah, it was John, and he goes, "The kids can stay." We're like, "Oh, cool." <laughs> nice. Thanks, thanks, Johnny. It was a small theatre, and we went upstairs, and there was a photo of Dire Straits, who mm. did their very first rock blast there in 1982, oh, wow. which was just so cool. Yeah. So these bikies got in touch with us, give us 500 bucks so you don't get your singer back. <laughs> Holy shit. Welcome everyone, you are listening to the Art of Touring podcast. This is an interview style podcast where I talk with musicians, performers and sometimes wrestlers. I am your host, the Sizz Dog. Thanks for joining me. I wasn't sure if I was going to make... I wasn't sure if I was going to make that there because what I do actually out of touring listens is I press play, I listen to the intro, and then I try to time my uh, little little spiel at the beginning to finish right at the snare hit. Thank you for joining me, blah, 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 blah. And um, I, I almost missed it this week, but I got there. I got there just in time. Man, cockpit cover update. Just for everyone who was listening last week, um, I replaced the cockpit cover of the Millennium Falcon at my local TGI Fridays, took it down there, Um, the uh, manager Lindsay opened it up and she was blown away, Um, I got my meal for free that night which was totally not why I did it. I did it because I'm a psychopath, and whenever I walk in, it it bugs me that there was no cockpit on the Millennium Falcon. But I appreciated the gesture, um, and uh, and then both Lindsay and I is like we can't can't accept this until we figure out a way to actually fix it there without it, you know, coming off again. And I was going to super glue it, but then I'm like, well, that would ruin the toy like completely. So we've come up with a solution. We're going to get some. Um, hot glue and when hot glue dries it's quite ma- malleable ma- ma- malleable is that the word um and so you'd really have to tug quite hard <laughs> stop it don't ha- you got a dirty mind i know what you're thinking you'd have to tug quite hard to get the cockpit <laughs> oh, wow. you'd have to tug quite hard on the cockpit <laughs> I can't get through that sentence without laughing. I wonder why. Um, for it to come off, you know. So um, I think hot glue's the answer. It'll fix there. It'll stay there for quite a while. And um, yeah, if, as long as you didn't tug too hard in the cockpit, it'll stay there pretty pretty well um, for years. Uh, as long as no one gives it a good tug on the cockpit. <laughs> Stop it, Sears. It's enough. All right. This week, I caught up with Dave Warner from Studio 1B. Dave and I have known each other for a few years, man. And uh, it was great to catch up with Dave in his studio. I took the podcast on the road all the way out to Faulkner. And uh, keep on listening this week to hear Dave reveal uh, Barnsey's warm-up technique. But you'll have to keep on listening to hear what it is. Art of Touring is brought to you every single week on a Friday. You can listen to Art of Touring on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or on Spotify. And uh, remember, a lot of a lot of green. That's our podcast network. Check out all their other awesome podcasts at www.alotofgreen.com.au. Now, guys, podcasts grow a lot better if you if you talk about them you know if you hear this podcast like man i should really tell someone about that podcast bring it up in conversation next time you're sitting down with a work colleague at morning tea be like what's up 
Yeah, not much. What's going on with you? I was on the way to work and I was listening to The Art of Touring. You should check it out. Oh, really? What's The Art of Touring? It's this podcast hosted by Sizdog, Melbourne musician. Really? Sizdog? What's, what's all that about? Why does he call himself Sizdog? Well, it's a long story. Have you got more than a couple of moments? Yeah, I do. Tell me all about it. And then if you know the story of how I got my name, you can tell them. But if you don't, you'll have to ask me. Uh, there is some coarse language. Um, in this week's episode. So if you are listening with kids, it might be a good idea to throw on Hatchimals and then once they're dropped off at their singing lessons, put Art of Touring back on. Now, let's take a moment to hear from this week's sponsor. Episode 78 of The Art of Touring is brought to you this week by Kenny Rogers Roasters. Do you like chicken? Well, come on down to our brand new location in Midtown in New York City where we guarantee... You will have the best darn chicken you've ever tasted. Oh, check it out. Wow, Kenny Rogers Roasters finally open. Hey, look at the size of that neon chicken on the roof. Rogers can't sell chicken around here. We got chicken places on every block. He is the gambler. Is that Rogers chicken? Oh, get that out of here. Well, the man makes a pretty strong bird. Yeah, but I'm boycotting. What is that hiccup? Yeah. It's the wood that makes it good. Really? Uh-huh. Oh, stop it. But well, why do we have to keep this from Jerry? Because if Jerry finds out that I'm hooked on Roger's chicken, I'm back in there with the Red Venice. Kenny. 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 Just so you know, Art of Touring is hosted by Wooshka. If you'd like to listen on your desktop, you can. You can just Google it, Art of Touring, and then follow the links to the Wooshka homepage on your desktop or on your laptop computer. Now, before we hear my conversation with Dave, I'd like to share with you some of his music. Uh, Dave was in a band uh, in the mid-noughties to the uh, mid-90s called Ground. And uh, this is a track of theirs called Miles Between. Check it out. And there you go, there's just a taste of uh, Dave's band Ground. Uh, and now let's sit back, breathe it in. That's right, it's Sizdog and Dave Warner shooting the shit for over an hour. Strap in, let's get loose. It's time for the art of touring to begin. 
Welcome everyone, you're listening to the Art of Touring podcast. We're sitting here in Studio 1B, not Siriani Studios, uh, today, this afternoon, this morning, whenever you're listening to this, because it's a special occasion. Today I am interviewing Dave Warner of Studio 1B. How are you, Dave? I'm good, thanks, David. Two Daves. Two Daves. Yeah. Legendary, legendary names. Oh, in the music biz, you say Dave in a crowded pub and half the, <laughs> the pub will Every turn band around. turns around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone's got a Dave at one point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's important, mate. Yeah. If you don't have a Dave, you Dave if your Dave ratio goes down, I think the, the god of rock and roll just calls you up and goes, hey, you need a Dave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's going on? Every band has to have a Dave. <laughs> That's it. More Daves to go around. Um, hey, man. I don't think I've ever asked you this before. We've known each other for quite a long time, and that's what I love about this this podcast, this medium, because I, I get to do a deep dive of people that I have known for years, um, and that is where are you from and, and where did you grow up? Yeah, Where did I grow up? So I'm essentially a Melbourne boy, but um, I was going to be born in Papua New Guinea. Huh. So, yeah, something a bit weird, but um, my old man was a – he was a uh, – he was – uh, a community liaison between tribes in Papua New Guinea. Um, and my mum had complications. So I was going to be born there, but she had complications. She flew back to Geelong. Uh, oh, it's a bit of a weird story, but she, um, she was about to hemorrhage, actually. Yeah. And she went to the hospital um, in, like in uh, Port Moresby. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, you're going to have to abort. <gasps> like, it's, you're going to die if you have this child. So, yes, yes. Um, so she said... Well, fuck you! Um, got on a plane, yes, hemorrhaging, and flew to Geelong to her parents and had me, and then she had complications, but she was all good, and obviously I'm here. So, wow, um, yeah, so it's a bit of a trippy story. And I did. It's interesting because my mum passed away when I was 17 mm. from a brain tumor, and I didn't actually know anything about that sort of stuff, you know, back yeah. then. So, uh, only found, dad only ever told me that story well after she'd passed away. So wow. puts things in context, you know. Really like puts in a perspective. She was a bit of a, um, always grew up with the mum that kind of, like I was, I love cricket and I was, you know, into, into my sport and, yeah. and um, mum would, oh, she wasn't a helicopter parent. She was actually pretty good. She let me go do my thing, but she, she'd always had to score for cricket you know, she's always there, you know, she's always oh, hanging around, you know. Yes, and yes. And it's like, oh, man, I'm going to go and smoke, you know, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when you're 14 years old and all your mates are smoking and yeah. at cricket and you just want to smoke and be one of the boys or whatever. Um, yeah, and she was always around, so I had to do my best to get away from her and, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's sort of towards the end when she passed away, we sort of had, um, you know, you, you don't know any of that stuff. And, and I think it puts it into perspective when you sort of later on, you sort of look back and go, oh, well, that's why she was like that. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I ended up living for three years in Papua New Guinea. Oh, really? So I was about three. So I was there for Independence Day. Oh, wow. Um, which was pretty cool. I still remember some of it, but obviously it's early years. Yeah, yeah. You don't um, form strong memories at that age. Yeah, and then uh, we moved to Hobart for a year and then ended up in Melbourne and was here from about three to four years old for the rest of my life. So Yeah, right. Um, and do you have any brothers and sisters? None. I am only child. Yeah. My dad's only child. My mum was an only child. So I have wow. no family at all. So yeah. after mum passed away, there's actually just me and my dad left. That's the whole family. Yeah. Me, my wife, my dad. That's it. No kids, so. <laughs> it's a very, just a close-knit um, family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think will probably lead to at some point in this conversation, but it probably comes back a lot to why 
I kind of do what I do a little bit, you know, mm. like um, I'm all about community and building, you know, and that's because my friends have always been my family, you know, yeah. all, uh, so I kind of feel that um, it's my responsibility a little bit to build a community and help grow something yes. that we can all feel a part of and feel connected to and, and that probably comes from me Your upbringing yeah having that upbringing where well i don't have family like you have friends that have like six brothers and sisters and yeah and when the heat comes on like they're like yeah my family is what i do you know uh-huh. which is cool you get that totally yeah, of course. but um you know me on the side there your mate the mate sort of ends up being you know so yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing this weekend oh just spending time with the, my family, the family. Yeah, it's You're like, like oh okay. all right well i'll go and go to the pub i suppose yeah i'll go and kick a footy on my own out in the paddock you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot that's harder quite, man. that's what happened there. Yeah. <laughs> oh man and well i mean look the only the only thing i can really um uh, uh kind of talk on that which is se- semi similar life experience um going back to what you were talking about with you know how you were born and um and and the situation surrounding that um when i was about eight years old i um was diagnosed with something called um henoch shonline purpura it's like a really (laughs) rare disease and um i was uh at the time my folks were like what the hell is going on with dave you know because i had all these spots all over my body like i had all these like blemishes and shit took me to the hospital yeah it was pretty wild you know and, you know, I got a biopsy because they wanted to make sure. And apparently if the biopsy didn't go well, like if, it, if they didn't find what they found, mm. I, it could have gone a lot worse. Yeah, yeah. I got it early. I wasn't yeah. told that when I was eight because, you would, you know, you don't tell that to an eight-year-old. Of course. I think I was maybe 17 or 18 and they finally told me. They were like, yeah, you you could have not fucking been here, mate. You're yeah, yeah. lucky. You need to count your lucky stars. You're walking yeah, this yeah. earth. I was like... Holy shit, that puts things into perspective, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's always interesting when you find out things about your past that for a long time you weren't aware of. Yeah, totally. You know? And things don't kind of make sense. Like, like I said, you know, I used to get frustrated with my mum because you're like, can't you just piss off and leave me alone? Like, mm. I just want to, you know? Mm. Just, like I said, she's pretty good. Like, it's not like these days where I think where people are a bit helicopter. Like, back in those days, I was still riding my bike like, three k's away and as long as you're in that zone it's fine yes. kind of vibe she's yes. fine i remember meeting my best friend down the road and i think i was three years old yeah. When I, yeah like in glenroy or whatever and you were just walk and i met him because i was walking down the street and i saw him out in his front yard yeah and i think i don't remember my mum being with me right right you know what I, mean? I was like hey how you going just become friends with him and i'm like sure. three or four years old so imagine now your kids just walking down their street you know yeah, nah. at three or four years old just doing their thing <laughs> man, you know? LA, man it was just a different world back it's a then different time yeah. man i guess now like if a kid did go for a walk depending on how old they were if you were one of those parents that would give them like a mobile device you could literally just look up and see where they were. Yeah, yeah. As long them. as they kept the, the phone on, you know, you could track them yeah, with yeah. Google Earth. Of like, course yeah, you could. There's little Johnny. Yeah. He's just down the milk bar. You'd be like my wife who goes, <laughs> where are you? Yeah. Oh, look, I'm just, um, yeah, I'm on my way. She goes, no, you're not. I can see on the phone that you not you haven't left yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's dangerous. <laughs> like, come on, man. <laughs> Get that check with funny stats. That's rough. It's cheating. Yeah, totally cheating. There you go. And she goes, like, I'd be sitting at the lights just here. And she's like, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm halfway down Sydney Road. Like, I thought, I'll make up time. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, you won't. I can hear. I can hear the like the train line going ding, 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 and I'm looking at the app, and it tells me you haven't left yet. 
What are you talking about? What are you doing? Why mate? are you lying to me? <laughs> like, ah, oh, I knew you'd be annoyed. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh man, you can. Some sometimes you can get away with it. Sometimes you can't. You that's know? right. It well, we all know is. that uh, the limits of what you can get away with have diminished days. quite yeah. dramatically these days. Hundred <laughs> percent. And so, growing up um, as an only child, um, was it your, your mum or your dad that um, kind of got you interested in, in music? Yeah, well, music's a fun. Like, I grew up in a Baptist church. So that's where I think it all came from. Yeah. And mum, mum's actually mum was a, a singer. She sang in the choir. She played like um, piano, accordion, and piano, and rah rah, and mm. and she was quite musical. And and I think um, it's in, again like because for me because I had no family, the, the church was your family, it was your community, you know. Right, so if yes. I ever if I ever had to, like, mum and dad ever wanted time on their own, they'd drop me off at like you know, Uncle uh, you know, Arnie. Jones or whatever from the church, you know. Sure, yeah. Who'd like look after me all night and it was all cool and you know, you'd be so that was kind of your community and mm. and uh and I think I just grew up in a musical place, you know. So I never it's funny, you know, like I think when you're a kid it's not cool to sing. You right. know, like yeah, until you yeah. get to a certain age, like I think you get to I remember when I started singing properly, I'd started playing drums by the time I, when I was 16 and 15, about 14, 15, I started playing drums in church, actually. Sure, yeah. And we sort of created a church band from the guys my age. And, and we actually we had a, a coin cover band. We love coin. Coin is our favorite band. Called ourselves Sheer Heart Attack. And I was on drums and yeah. I remember playing. I was pretty terrible. But, um, you know, you sort of, but it's great because you just get to experiment and try yeah, stuff. And definitely. And the, and the trade off was that, we had to play for the the evening church service on Sundays, right? So we play all the church music, and you know, we had, I went and got the the money from the church helped me buy, like a, it was a clear pearl export, you know, oh, kit. Wow. And back then, it was like, oh, it's clear, man, that's so cool. Like we yeah. went, we went and you know, searched for it and found. It. And I actually the, I think the church gave me five hundred bucks to go and buy a kit. Dang. So I found this kit, bought it. Took it back to the studio. Uh, took it back to the church, and they mm. still probably got it. Wow! Um, but yeah, so the trade we could play, use it whenever we wanted to, and then yeah. the trade off was we played for church, and then um, yeah, it was good. So you got to get the rock and roll a little bit in me. I remember sitting. It was I think it was year twelve, sitting in a room with uh, one of the dudes who was a really good guitarist, and back then like you know they, we got a bit of a cover band. He was playing um, what's it called? Uh, the Eagles, uh, Hotel California, just sure. as, they, as you do on yeah. acoustic. And I started singing along. He's like, hey, man, you can sing. Like, yeah. We need a singer, dude. Like, we, we don't have anyone singing. We got the drummer's brothers kind of, he could sing a bit. And he, he's mm. feeling in, but he doesn't really want to do it. Like, you know, yeah. you should come down and like, well, yeah. So I started, that was the first band I got into. We Like, properly, we started doing cover. It was a cover band. It was a cover band. Lasted for about six months. Yeah. Couldn't stand covers. Well, I mean, that's not stand it. Pretty, you know. pretty long in the cover yeah. band, you know. Doing um chisels and you know, yeah, yeah. all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that well, was good. We just did you get it up to a point where you actually started doing gigs in yeah, those yeah, six did, months? Yeah, we did a few gigs, sort of party gigs and that kind of stuff. And yeah, because you still criticised heavily. Year twelve at this point, or <laughs> you'd left school? Yeah, it was probably still back into year twelve, going into sort of the year we left, and yeah, and I um got criticised pretty heavily. To be fair. And I think that's the thing, you know, starting like by out, your school cohort, like your peers. No, no, by just by audience, you know. Like I think it's being a singer is tough. Like starting out as a singer, sure, I, yeah. I, I mean, I found it tough, but yeah. I don't think I was ever. I don't ever feel like I was ever naturally gifted. Uh. I had a good ear because I grew up in church, and you know, you kind of get bored in church. You sing the same songs every week, so right. you kind of go, oh, 
uh, sing the harmony to this, you know, because I'm bored shitless. So ah. so you end up getting a really good ear for it because yeah. you go, ah, sing it. I'll sing this harmony, blah, 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 you know, instead. And, mm. and all of a sudden, you, you know, you kind of build a really good ear being interested. You're just around music all the time and singing all the time. Yeah. Uh, I think um, – so I was – had a naturally good ear, but execution-wise, like, uh, my technique wasn't great, and I'd never done lessons or any of that sort of stuff. So Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, we sort of, uh, you know, you start out, I think, singing, especially if you're singing covers. Right, right. Like, everyone can compare you to something. So Sure. Like, he doesn't sing, sound like Jimmy Barnes. Well, <gasps> I know, because I'm not Jimmy Barnes. You know, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you want from me, man? That's like, it, um, yeah, yeah. I'm doing my best, but, you know, here we go. But, especially um, when... Um, and I'm, I'll- like, 16 years old, so what do you want from well, me? Well, that's yeah, it. Yeah. Especially when your mate was like, oh, we need a singer, and he just kind yeah. of roped you into it yeah, yeah. because he heard you singing one afternoon, yeah. you know. Yeah, you were like, oh, okay, well, I'll give it a go. Yeah, yeah. spot on. Yeah. yeah. And I did, I, I don't think I was too bad, but yeah. I remember he and, oh, remember him, <laughs> I got sacked from that band, actually, because he, I remember being on at the drummer's house, we become really close, me and the drummer, we started writing together, because mm. I hated doing covers and so did he, and, and I remember one day being at his house, we'd been at his house all night, writing some stuff, and- Sure, yeah. And the next morning, like- this guy calls, the guitarist calls. And and I got on the other phone, I was listening on the other phone, he goes, he's, got, he's bagging me out, going, oh, I don't think we should have him, rah, rah. And me and the other guy, me and the drummer were like, we're going to start a band together, like we're going to we're gonna write original music, we've been writing, we're, oh. everything was real cool. And he didn't yeah. really realise that. And he started bagging me out and then he lost his whole band because they're all like, well, stuff for you. Like I know he's got a bit of work to do, but... We yeah. were riding together. We were happy with what we're doing. So it, it's it sort of backfired on him. He lost his band a little bit over it. And, yeah, right. And then we started the new band, which is called Anthonath. That was my first proper band. Anthonath. Anthonath. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like a metal band name yeah. if I've ever heard one. Yeah, it was a real um, progressive sort of metal. Yeah, <laughs> right on. And so you were the front man. Yeah, yeah. And we had a drummer and and what, who were the other Drums, members? Two guitars, two, bass. And bass. Yeah, um, nice. Yeah, that was interesting. We were the other four years, that band. Nice. Um, yeah, we did some cool stuff, some fun stuff, like, you know, yep. starting out stuff. And Yeah. Um, they actually went on to be a pretty good band in their own right. They're still around. They're called I Fear. And they're real metal, like um, European metal, sort of progressive metal. Okay. They've done pretty well for themselves. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so, but yeah, that, that, that kind of didn't end well either for me because they, they sacked me as well. Yeah, right. So, um, but I think... Not for any other reason, I think, than they, they wanted a certain type of singer. They wanted that, you know, um, like real high, you know, European. Oh, you know, the crazy vocals yeah, at wah, the time. Yeah. Sort of stuff. And that's just not who I am, you know. Sure, so, sure, yeah. Um, so it was all cool. And um, I had a year off from there and mm. sort of thought, well, I don't want to do this anymore. And I, I thought, no, nah, you know what? I'm going to go get lessons and do it, work out what I'm going to do. And Sure, yeah. Went and got lessons and, yeah, and I found... Um, my band I was in for 10 years ground, so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I never looked back, really. I mean, I, I couldn't have been happier because they're just the best bunch of dudes and we're still family now and, yeah. you know, couldn't, yeah, did a lot of good stuff together, so. Oh, mm. that's rad, man. Because mm. um, this is circa, because I know ground was around in the 90s, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I was 90. Joined ground in 96. 96, okay. So, from 96 to 2006, mm. that was like your um, yeah, pocket of time. Spot on, 10 years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. right on, right on. Yeah, so um, I cacked my voice and then I couldn't do it anymore. 
Yeah, I do remember that. Mm. I, I would like to hear about that. But before we do, I would love it if you could touch on, like, yeah, the, the culmination of that band, like how that came together. Yeah, well, that band, well, that was just the simplest one of all time. There was just an ad placed somewhere. It, was, it must have been in a rehearsal studio. I saw a, right. the usual poster up on the wall kind Singer of Singer wanted. Because, yeah, it's a different world back then. Like, it's not like now you got Facebook and stuff and, yeah. yeah, we need a singer and, like, you got access to gazillion people. <sighs> yeah. Like, it's like if you're lucky, they'll see it and rip your little tab off and give sure. them a call. Hey, how you going, man? Like, I see you need a singer, you know? Yeah, that's yeah. it. But that was good. Yeah, real cool. I remember walking out because you were lovely. So uh, the, the drummer's uh, Greek and the guitarist is, um, was uh, Italian. Yeah. Um, and the new guitarist they just got, he was Italian. So they're all all um, European sort of dudes. And and uh, I walk in and, and he's got his, um, the, the drummer's got his, uh, what was it? Um, Mortadella and um, <laughs> Mortadella, Mortadella and um, Tadziki and whatever, you know, and he's on his sandwich. He's like, Oh, do you want one, man? I'm like, yeah. Nah, man, I'm all right, thanks, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was good. Man. I think we, um, we got along really, really straight away. We all got along really well, nice, you know? and, nice. Um, yeah, I actually, I love those guys because the, the thing about those guys was, you know, I'd sort of come from the bands I've been in before, they kind of sometimes, you know, you get those people that. Kind of have a laugh all the time, but it's always at someone's expense a little bit. Yep. So you kind of, you know, you're kind of putting up with this whole, and, and you have to kind of stick up for yourself and be like that as well. Mm-hmm. And they were all my mates from high school, though, that first band where I was in for four years. So, yeah, yeah I was a bit, sometimes I got a bit tedious. And then uh, when I joined these guys, man, I just, just rad dudes. Like, yeah. And there was never any, that's why we stayed together for 10 years. There was never a time where you're like, ah, you know. These guys, man, they're such wankers. They're just really good dudes. And I think we, we really grew together and I'm still really proud of everything we did, man. Like we yeah, did some man. great stuff, you know. Well, that's a real difference maker too because, like you said, if you are in a band where the members are ribbing each other constantly, it can just add that extra stress to the yeah. working relationship. It's like, hang on, what are we here mm. to actually do? Like mm. we're here to muck around or we're here to play music and put on good shows. So... Um, yeah, no, that's something that I think a lot of musos could definitely, you know. I have chats with bands all the time now about it, man, because I see it all the time. You know, I'm yeah, a part of yeah. part of the fabric a little bit of a lot of bands who are actually, you know, trying to do some really great things. And mm. and I think um, looking after each other is number one, man. Like if you don't, you know, there's some bands that do it really well and there's some bands that I see don't do it so well. I constantly have conversations with them about it. Mm. I think it's, you know, I mean, look, we're all gonna have a good time and you know sometimes someone's gonna be the loser in that but i think yeah. you know it's at, at the end of the day you gotta be a unit man you gotta to stick together and help each other to be the best you can be yes and audiences can can kind of pick that too oh, yeah. if you're if you're watching a band and you can see like then the, art, the artists aren't looking at each other and they're not really having a good time or whatever yeah, yeah totally or even if they are and it's over the top you're like hang on a minute this doesn't look right it mm. looks a bit false yeah then you know it's going to translate to you to can't manufacture crowd. that man exactly yeah. yeah it's so difficult to find and, and hold, keep hold of um, and so, ground. You find yourself with these like-minded dudes for the first time, um, and you start writing music together. Tell me what that that um, experience was, was like. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I love writing with those guys. I think we, being from the, no- it was a real '90s rock. You know, Soundgarden. You know, you're, the influences. You know, your Soundgarden's, your Pearl Jam's, your you know Nirvana's, all that sort of stuff was all rolled in there because that's sort mm. of where we all came from. And and you and I, I'd still listen to it now but um 
Yeah, I think we I think we were all pretty driven. I mean, I was really driven, obviously, after what had happened with the other band. I really wanted to prove myself and do what I had to do. And yeah. And um and they were all pretty driven guys too. So we Yeah, I think we just we had a couple of lineup changes through that time. A bass player and a guitarist sort of headed off, kept it a four piece. Yeah. We we started when we started recording properly, we started with um uh, Reggie Bowman, who runs Scream Louder out in... Uh, he was the guitarist of Southern Sons. Yeah, Reggie um, Bowman, sure. Legend. Um, and between... So that's sort of where I get a bit of a connection with Electric Mary and things like that too because those mm. guys all started with 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 uh, Reggie as well. Yes. So um, bands like Sneak, who um, Ricky Ray was in Sneak and so was. was Pete from Electric Mary. So was, yeah. they were together in that band. And when I was recording with Reggie, when Ground were in there, yeah. um, those guys were in We'd there recording in there their well. stuff. Right, right. So that was sort of all around about the same time and, yeah. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, it was cool working with someone like Reggie. It kind of helped you to understand what being pro was a little bit. and Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I think. Well, you, did you guys um, like how many? Did you guys record albums, or was it more of an EP band? Or EPs? See, back to, that's one regret I have from being in bands myself. Yes, was not doing an album because right. it was all EPs back then. Everyone's going, Nah, don't worry about an album, man. Do an EP, and I used to be like, Dude, I want to do like a proper piece of work, dude. Like, I want to do something that really. So, like, we our last EP, Wash. We did 40 songs for that that EP. That's wild. We wrote 40 songs. Yeah, like backed yeah. up. I still got like six discs or something yeah. of like all the ideas yes. from for like 40 ideas for that EP. And we whittled it down to six. Actually, we gave them all to Reggie and we mm. said, you tell us which ones you reckon. You go, these are the strongest six ideas. Let's do them. Right, right. Like, okay, well, and then we go away and work really hard on those. And, and he gave us some ideas on maybe you swap, you know, this verse riff's Bed and the chorus, we've swapped them around, that kind of vibe. And, sure, yeah. And a bit of that, and then we go away and work on it, and then bang, you go in there and just do it, you know, like as opposed to now where you take a bit more time. You can do it all on your phone or you can whatever, but yeah. back then it was a bit different world, you know. So we just rehearse our ass off, and you go in there and three days and you knock out an EP. Yeah, you know, kind yes. of thing. <laughs> That's how it was, man. Yeah. Otherwise, you, just, you know, back then I think it was, even then it was still costing, I was thinking about it now, I'd just cringe because like I think it was costing, would cost us three to eight hundred bucks a day back oh, easy, then, easily. Yeah, but back that's back then. That's the sort of like I don't even charge half that these days. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? You're like, man, like things have changed so much because back then you couldn't. If you want to do something good, you had to go to somewhere like that. You couldn't mm-hmm. kind of learn Pro Tools at home, and you know. Yeah, I just couldn't do it. It was very un- unattainable at that point yeah. in time. That little pocket of time where if you had to be really, really a professional dude or mm. dudette to go out and buy all that equipment or work for a company that had the capital yeah, yeah. to actually, you know, buy it and then work for them. Yeah. yeah. yeah and, and, you know, work in an established studio or create your own. So, yeah, nah, they, they certainly had the monopoly, but now they do not. Nah. But, you know, you know I mean, we'll, we'll talk about a bit more later, but uh, from the hat that I'm wearing now, I think yeah. the one thing I think bands kind of miss out on is that experienced person to help push them to somewhere like to the next place. Yes. Because you know, if you're a band and you're going, Yeah, yeah, don't worry, man, we've got we've got our laptop and we've got Logic or Pro Tools, we've got all the stuff we need, you've got some pre's, yeah, no worries, we'll just do it in our bedroom. Mm. That's all cool and you can be creative and all that, but then taking that to the place where you're actually working with someone that says, Hang on, you know, 
you can be better than that. We can push you further. We yeah. can get you to be, in, you know, creating a great piece of work. Yeah. You kind of need some outside ears pushing you on that, not mm. just, you know. So, yeah, anyway, I think that's important. And, and it's something I think a lot of this generation's kind of lost a little bit of. Yeah, because they are recording in their bedrooms and, and it's like, hang on, well, you know, you maybe show this to someone else other than your mate, you yep. know, <laughs> who totally. might have a more of a well-trained set of ears, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so in that time with Ground, were you guys um, touring at all? Like, would you play shows outside of Melbourne as yeah, well? Yeah, absolutely. So we did, um, I guess where we got to, we're kind of lucky enough that we had a really we had something, yeah. It's, I think it's really important with bands that you have people that support you and back you in a little bit, and mm. and we got really kind of lucky that uh, a guy called Mick Legrand who ran the Hallam was really like really supportive of us, really right. liked us. Yeah, yeah. So the Hallam, obviously, anyone who's been there, is, it's one of those venues. Like it's a two thousand head venue. It's yeah. It's they have back then, especially pretty much every band like you know screaming jets or you know motor race or she had or you know um uh, jimmy barnes or any of these guys they all went through the hallam and mm. they probably still do but i don't go down there much anymore but mm. um so to get that support because we weren't signed no probably address that a little bit too because that it was, it was a tough time in the bit so we're talking about 2001 to 2006 where we were doing well like where we were a Good band worth something, I think. And yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, it was real tough. We, we didn't have social media. It's, it's funny how quick things have changed, like how much it's changed so quickly. Sure, yeah. No Facebook, no Twitter, no nothing. Um, f- we're still doing poster runs back then. Yes. The best we could do was go do email lists, you know, so you'd be like, you know, going there. But yeah, man, I was on like dial up, man, you know, like mm, back then, like early mm. 2000s, we're on dial up. Yeah. You're not downloading songs, man. Like it's going to take you three days to download a song or something, all right? So that world didn't exist back then. That's it. So we'd be at, at gigs like doing email lists. Everyone's like blind drunk going, yeah, man, it's my email, man. Yeah. And then you get to the end of it, you'd be like, is that a dot? Is that a T? What the <laughs> fuck is that, man? <laughs> so you do your email list, right? And you're like, in, them you got like a thousand back. emails, you know? And you're yeah. like, yeah, you'd send something out like, yeah, we got a gig, rah, rah, and then and like 535 would bounce back again, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and it's love it. Like, it's not because no one, not that anyone's doing dodgies. It's just, they're like, they're just blind going, yeah. Yeah, here's my email. So it could be just one dot wrong, you know? Like, and, you, and it bounces back. So it was a, it was a pretty... It was hard back then, and yeah. And the other part that I think really, mate, only people I talk about this a little bit with people, but the thing that really changed the industry back then was Australian Idol. Ah, uh, yes, massively changed the business because in two thousand and one, when that started, yeah, record companies changed. This is before the internet, mm-hmm. so people kind of all. I think people attribute where the industry's kind of got to to the internet. Yes, but I mean, and don't get me wrong, it's obviously played a massive part of it now because no one buys music. It's rah, rah, rah. Yeah. But it was happening before that. Like, yeah. what happened was when Australian Idol hit, record companies changed their outlook. They're like, all right, well, we'll give you a one-album deal. Yeah. Like, okay, and then we'll get next year's person. Yeah, next year. So yeah. when we were trying- And you won't get to write any of the songs on that album. But totally. We'll, we'll control the- that to yeah. the nth degree. Because yeah. before 2001, before Australian Idol hit, it was f- you're getting a five-album deal. Mm-hmm. Because the record company said, we're going to invest in the artist. Yeah. You know, we're going to go- What, what a, a weird concept. What a concept, right? We'll invest <laughs> in the artist, right? So we'll- And they knew, right? They knew the first two albums. They make no money. 
There's no money in the first two albums. They'd have to invest in it and take time. Yeah. Album three, they'd start making money. If they weren't making money by album three, they'd probably, you know, run away from it. Yeah. But, you know, that was, that was, it was tough back then because they said, well, so we were, I was, we were talking to Mushrooms. Like we'd done some shows with like um, Motor Race and all that sort of stuff. Motor Race was signed to Mushroom. And sure. I was talking to a lady called Catherine Harrity, who was A&R then and, um, we're getting along pretty well, sending her tracks and she's sending them back on. Yeah, it's really good. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, this one, I reckon this one you just sent me, you're really on the right track. Um, you know, keep, keep sending me stuff. Mm. And then you're like, well, okay. But, but at the same time, uh, you and my got dropped off their label. Um, uh, Super Jesus got dropped off their label. Yeah. You know, look at these amazing, like, you know, staple uh, Australian bands who had hits on the radio and have been around ages who are getting dropped off their labels. Because all these upstarts on Australian yeah, Idol, because they're going, well, we're not going to do that anymore. Like this is, we're going to do this now because you had an overnight now. success and everyone knows who you are. So we'll get our one year of bang out of here, and then we'll look at next year's the one. The next one. So that really changed, and I think it's really hard. It was really not that I'm ever crying about it, but it, no. it made it really tough back then. Yeah, it's always tough, but I don't care if you're freaking. I think at that time, if you were. Led Zeppelin, you would have struggled to get a label. <laughs> you know, like it, was, yeah, it was hard. Yeah, it didn't now. matter who yeah. you were. I mean, I remember in 2001, <clears throat> I started teaching uh, singing for the first time at Main Street Music in Greensboro. And <laughs> I, had, I had one um, night and I had maybe six students, seven students. And then when Australian Idol hit, my one night of six or seven students turned into three full nights bah. of 10 Boom. students a night. Yeah, yeah. 30 students in the first half of the week. And I was like, whole, as everyone just wanted to sing. It was because it was in the mainstream media. Mm-hmm. There was, and internet was around, but it wasn't around as much. So just network television was what people were was watching. Yeah. That's what they were spending their time doing. Spot on. And yeah. so you just watch this thing and you're like, oh my God, I want to do that. I want to do that. And so everyone yeah. would just, and I was like, okay, yeah, here you go. I'll, I'll take your money. You can't sing, but you know. Yeah, yeah spot on. No, it's, no worries. Yeah. Oh, you got to be in it to win it, man. Well, like, that's <laughs> it, you know, oh, look, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm drawing a, a bleak picture there was some really great students and obviously sure. there are other people that would and look and that was the thing after that boom it dropped off again and then the people that really wanted to do it would keep coming back and, and getting yep. lessons and and, you know, and then the internet it. took over after that too so then well that's it know. yeah yeah very interesting times yeah and so ground you're um you're, you're trying to you're trying to break ground <laughs> yeah um and in that in that topsy-turvy well, time we did really we were doing really well for a band that wasn't signed Mm-hmm. Like so, you know, every time Jimmy Barnes came through, we we got all the Melbourne shows. Basically, for a couple of years there, we got all the Melbourne shows of the Hallam, like anything that suited us at all. So we were like, the support act. We were support. So we were the only. And, and because we did well on those shows of the Hallam, then they go, oh well, Jimmy Jimmy Barnes has got like three shows through Melbourne, you yes. know, on this run. Mm. Um, so you guys can just do all three. Ah, and we we're like, okay. Cool. Beautiful. No worries, you know? Yeah. Um, same with the Screaming Jets. Like, they'd be like, yeah, yeah, we've got like two or three shows in Melbourne. We're doing the Hallam. Okay, ground. Yeah, we've had them before. Yep, they can play the other couple. So, even though we didn't have a booker and we didn't have, you know, a record label pushing us, we are kind of getting those shows, you know? Yeah. Which and, is a huge deal. Uh, are awesome, man. Like, you know, you're playing to 2,000 people, you're the only support. But having said that, man, like, it's rough because, like... Everyone is there to see oh, the other band. Oh, you got like, you know, if you... I remember doing... um. <laughs> doing um, Fountain Gate, like it was called Brass Monkey back then. Yeah. And uh, it was awesome. It's a huge room. like, and, yeah. it's, and it's got this big balcony around it. You know, it's at Nariwari Shopping Centre or whatever, you know. Sure. And I remember like, you know, where 
you're playing and there's like dudes at the front going, bring on Jimmy! Like going oh, off their head, you know, man. you're like, oh, come on, dude, give us a break, man. Like, you know, Yeah, we're just trying we're to warm you up. We're not shit, we're here, we're here yeah, for a reason, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think we did really well. We used to hold it down pretty good, you know. You kind of, yeah. I think if you can play with a band like Jimmy Barnes or Screaming Jets when they're like, they're like, they're, their fans are so... Like, Rabbit. yeah, like entrenched and they, they're they there for that, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you can kind of hold it down and do a good job of that, you, you've done well, you know. Was um, there any times where um, it was getting to a point where like the main act would come on and go, oh, we should really help them out tonight and just like just kind of walk on and start singing a song with you or anything <laughs> nah, like that? No, nah, nah, I think we were ever that bad. <laughs> no, not that bad. <laughs> nah, nah, we- no, I mean like when I, I would go see a, a, like a, say a big act like Pearl Jam or whatever, sure. sometimes there'd be a bad... And like I remember, there was this band um, that were supporting them at Rod Laver Arena, and um, every uh, everyone was um, they were called Shudder to Think, yep. and everyone was just really kind of giving it to them, you know. And so Eddie just walked out and started singing a song with them, and Ed, the crowd just turned oh, like, yeah, yeah it's any now, better. Now that you're our mates out, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so like, oh, okay, he's, these guys are actually friends with the band. Maybe yeah. we should be a little bit, you know, to be kinder to them. Yeah, totally. And the yeah. band did; they were not nicer to them for the rest of the set. Awesome, you that's, know? that's cool. Uh, I think I had. Um, but the thing is, you go on first, so yeah, unless they actually come out. But like, I, mm. I think uh, I remember um, Tim Rogers is really cool. Um, when we play with UMI, like yeah, he, yeah, he was always really good for a real positive word. And I think even now, um, you know, draft dodgers. It's funny our our um our front of house engineer Evan uh, Evan Richards is an awesome dude and really good front of house and and uh, he he's now playing drums for draft dodgers with with. With them, but they're, they're, those dudes were all really cool. And I had, I think Jimmy Barnes was the best dude. He was right. awesome. Really? Like, there's no, oh, you know, I mean, I don't know. Have you ever met Jimmy at all? Before? I've never met Jimmy. No. Nah, man, he's a, he's a legend, that dude. Like, I think we played with him a whole heap of times, and he's fa- like with his family, like his daughters, and all that stuff. Sure. And they're all really lovely people. And, and, I, and we met a whole heap of rock stars back then, you know, and most of them, they were all really nice. There's no dramas or anything, but. Jimmy was awesome. He would be out in the room with you, like, you know, yes. pre-show and talking. Hey, how you going, right? I've got, fo-, you know, you have photos with him. He's a fucking rad dude. And, yeah, yeah. And he, he's, his warm-up was awesome. It'd be like, they're just all, everyone's just standing around, chitter-chatting. Then, wow! You're like, you know, you'd be like, I don't know, five metres away from yeah. yourself, just talking to someone else. Yeah. you just go into it, man. Like, And you'd be like, what the fuck is that? Ah. He's great. I've never heard... Anything that loud coming out of someone's mouth, like he's just wow, so loud, dude. Like it, to experience that in the room, just yeah. naturally without amplification, was like eye opening. Like I've never heard anything like it. I, I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone that loud since. That's insane. And I, know, I know you've had Rusty on, and you know, I talked to Rusty, and Rusty has that. Um, his vocal technique is to not sing louder than speaking voice, mm. right? And then, you, then you, you know, so there's a lot of things that are great techniques and all that. And then you get to Jimmy, and he's just like. Whoa! <laughs> like, you know, what, man? How do you do that? Like, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's a cracker. He's a real good dude, man, and real supportive and always always used to come out backstage and hang out and mm. and his family were great. Like, we, I think my guitarist got along really well with his daughters. A bit. Um, not too too well, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we I think we stayed in touch a bit and stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's so, a cool thing, man. Yeah. yeah, it's always nice when you um you hear those stories of people that you've known. Well, you feel like you'd know them because, you know, of who mm. they are and you've never met them before but it's always nice when you hear from someone who has met them that they're um they're a rad character so that's a that's a cool thing man great great stuff um and so ground 
you're you're playing a lot of shows with you know amazing um, Australian acts um, throughout your time. Uh, were you able to get out of Melbourne as well and do some touring as well? Yeah, yeah, we got um, we yeah, you, know, you do the obligatory Sydney runs and you know mm-hmm. Adelaide runs and down the coast and in you know sort of I think we did a fair a lot of like um, regional stuff. Uh, you know, go out to Albury or Ballarat or Bendigo and sure. down the coast. Did a lot of Tarwin lower. Played with um, pre-shrunk a lot down there and like bands mm-hmm. like um, uh, Bug Dust and all that sort of, you know, Oh, Bug Dust. Yeah, a lot of those bands are kind of, you know, they're doing really well and they'll do a tour down, you know, Warped and bands like that. That's the sort of bands that sort of do all those shows and tours right. down the coast and all that. And yeah, yeah. And when I cacked my voice, it was when we went to, um, we were in Warrnambool and then we had Geelong the next night. And I shouldn't have done that gig. That was stupid. <laughs> this is this is the story, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's the story. Oh, it's not really much of a story. It's just me being an idiot. But we, we ended up we played War, uh, Warren and Bulls, great show, and yeah, yeah. I probably you know as you do pushed it out a little bit hard, and then afterwards you know smoking and drinking and being an idiot, and and then um, yeah, next day I couldn't even like talk like yeah, and. I, which would have been fine because, I mean, that happens every now and then when you, you're an idiot and you don't look after yourself. Mm. But then the next night we did Geelong and I, oh, it was a bar and club too. I hate that place. Um, just the way it's set up. like it's Because yes. back, back in the I think it's still like this too, but the door to the back room of bar and club with the band, the band room yeah. is like a, I think it's a glass door from memory. But even if it's not, where you sit at the bar out the front bar, you can actually sort of see the stage. Right. And you can hear it. It's just coming in. So all the locals, if it wasn't a big crowd, like all the locals just sit around the bar. And watch and anyway. kind of watch the band, but they wouldn't go in the back room and pay to see it. That I remember that night was a pretty crap night. There was hardly anyone there anyway. And I- mm. I don't even know. I should have just said, ah, let's pull the pin or you guys just play without me, whatever. And but you went um, on anyway. Stupidly went on and sang and didn't sing really. I mean, hardly anything was coming out because it was just cactus. Yes. And uh, I kind of tried to sing through and, and, yeah, I think I damaged it pretty heavily doing that. Mm-hmm. And just never really recovered, man. Like, I mean, I recovered to a point where I could kind of sing, but. I, I damaged something specific, and and every time I'd go for a note, like I'd crack. I had no control over it. Right, right. So it was pretty, pretty stressful time. You know, we were playing a lot back then too, and you kind of, I think I felt like I was letting the band down a lot. And every time we played a show, it'd be like, like I don't think there'd be a morning I'd wake up, not one morning, man, where you wouldn't wake up going. Am I going to be able to sing today? Is it going to be all right today? Like, yeah, I don't know if it's right. going to work or not. Yeah, yeah. And you kind of get up and you do... Like, I had, a, I had an opera singer teacher. I was doing everything to fix it, man. Like, I, there was nothing I couldn't... You had know, an endoscopy. Had a look what yeah, was going on down there. I couldn't find anything, man. I had, I had the cameras down. They're going, oh, I can't really see anything. But I'm like... And then I think some people started going, oh, do you reckon it's just mental? I'm like, dude, I've been doing this for 15 years. Yeah, I know yeah. what's ro- whether it's mental or not. Like, it's, you know, it's, it's a physical issue, you know. Sure, sure. And no matter what I did, like, it just... And I think what happened was to... When that happens, you start working so hard. And, mm. you like, I'd be doing my... Doing my... Um, my... Um, my exercises every day and, you know, the whole thing and mm. lessons once or twice a week and, you know, and by the time I just, I was just using it all the time. Right. And I think the voice is a real weird thing. Like sometimes it just needs a rest. Dude, big time. You know, sometimes you just can't. I remember, actually, I'll tell you what gave me hope. I heard the story. It was a story of, um, uh, what are they called? Oh God. Um, Tyler from, um, 
Aerosmith. Oh, yeah, Stephen Tyler. Yeah, Stephen Tyler. So apparently one day he got off stage after some concert gig, gets in the back of the limo <laughs> and can't talk. <gasps> and he couldn't talk for a year. Oh, my couldn't God. Couldn't even, like, hardly speak. He was using notes to write and stuff, but like, for nearly a year, apparently. Holy right? shit. So the band could not play for about a year. It was like the peak of their powers kind of thing. Wow. And um, But, yeah, he got it back, obviously. I mean, it, you know, after a year of it. And so he just, I think, same sort of deal. I just said, oh, well. I mean, I'm the kind of person I'll never give up, Dave. Yeah, so yeah. I just kept on riding that thing all the way to the end, and um, it took my drummer in the end to say, dude, I think we need to call it a day. Yeah. With with absolutely no drama, man. Like, I'm like, Phew. in fact, it was like this. Because it had been going on probably about six months to a year, mm, me battling with this. Trying to get it back. Yeah, and it was t- like, actually, I'll tell you where it got to. It got to the point where normally as a singer, even if I'm not on my game really, yes. especially if you're singing, uh, sorry, if you're recording, you can sort of go, right, well, I'll just I'll just drop in. I'll do it phrase by phrase, verse by verse, whatever. Mm, mm. And we're demoing the last three songs we'd written. And I couldn't even do that. Right. Like, I'd drop in for just a one line, go, like, and you'd be like, oh, man. Oh. And like over and over, oh, look, I'll get it. Just one line. All I have to do is hit this one note. Like, and just be like, oh, uh, man. No, like, it's not working. It's just nothing I could do. And you know, well, and I think that was the straw that broke the camel back because I couldn't even record anything. Like It was yeah, just nothing yeah. happening. Because it would be different if you were able to get it happening just like in a controlled environment. Sure. And then you know, could at least then live on. Maybe as not do many, as many gigs and take yeah. the weight off until it recovered a bit better, all that. Couldn't even do that, man. So, like, yeah. it was just, um, it was kind of, yeah, I think it was it was a bit rough because you kind of, I was really relieved when the drummer, we went into rehearsal and the drummer's like, dude, I think we've all been, you know, I think I'm just going to go do something else, man. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, after 10 years, you know, and we've been working really hard and we're all pushing and, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and you're like, I was, it was just like this massive weight lifted off my shoulders. I'm like, sure. Oh, okay, cool. You know, I can wake up tomorrow and not be stressed out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was on, constantly on my mind. Like so. Yes. And it, but it, but on the other side of it, like which I was like, I was really relieved when we broke up because it kind of gave me that time to myself to not have to stress anymore. But mm. it was such a massive like um, uh, I think it's about identity. Like so. You know, one minute you're a lead singer and like one minute I'm the lead singer in a band playing shows to 2,000 people mm-hmm. and the next minute I'm a banker because that was my job at the time. Your you day know, gig. I was, just, I was just doing like home loans over the phone and the call centre and all that, but I was a banker and you're like, well, now I'm a banker. So, yep. yeah, massive like, you know, change to my mindset and, yeah. and you're kind of going, oh, well, now I'm a banker. So I just focused on career after that, man. Like, what else can you do? Yeah. I, I didn't sing a note for like five years. Is that, that right? From that night. Wow. Not a note, man. I didn't even I didn't listen to any of our recordings. Didn't sing anything at all. Because I was yeah. too scared to, because I'm like, you go to the footy and you know you go Wah! like this and you you go like yeah, even and that. You could yeah. hear it yeah, still. That stuff still happen, man. It was crazy. Uh, I probably still it almost can still happen sometimes, to be honest with you. Yeah, even yeah. Even now. Yeah. Even now. When I try if I try to do that, like if I'm at the footy and I like scream real hard like and I'll, i can actually still crack like it did back then yeah right it's still kind of never fixed and and when when you've um gone back to see like have you had an endoscopy since that time nah. it'd be interesting to see like I now i was thinking about the in other day 2019 yeah. what they could do because i was i was listening to a um 
a podcast with Chris Jericho, who's a he's a wrestler, but he's also a, a rock and roll singer. Um, mm. And he was interviewing um, Steel Panther, you know, Steel yeah, Panther, yeah, course, yeah. yeah. Um, and they were talking to um, the singer, and, and the singer's like, you know, oh, I got a um, uh, uh, an operation on my throat because I had a um, a nodule, you yep. know, and they removed the nodule, and now I can sing like I could sing 20 years ago and I haven't yeah. had this register in my voice in so long. I can't believe like my voice is back. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, that'd be honestly for me. I tell you what, man, I, I, cause the last podcast I listened to was rusty. I think I said before the show. Yeah. 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 And I remember actually I saw rusty the other night. He was rehearsing here a couple of about, oh, it was about three or three or four weeks ago. And, we were having a real good chat. Oh, no, actually, I invited him down because Dead City Ruins were here doing pre-production mm-hmm. with Machine, um, the producer of Clutch and Lamb of God. He's flown over from the States to work with Dead City Ruins. Right. And he happened to have actually, he mixed um, uh, Electric Mary's uh, live El Dorado album. Ah. So, and they'd never met him. The dude is named Machine. Machine, that's his name, right? Oh, his, his name's Gene, but like he goes by Machine. That's, yeah, he's, he's world class producer, like yeah, amazing yeah. dude, right? And and he happened to be here in pre production for a week. So I messaged Rusty and I'm going, dude, your producer for that album and who mixed your album mm. is here and Rusty lives up the road. Yeah. He's going, oh man, I'm coming down. So he comes yeah, down. Yeah. And, it was, uh, by the way, it was awesome because for for that because like that's a rad album. Like that's one of my favorite live albums I've ever heard. And uh, and actually, when Machine was here, I go, dude, I love that album. Like it's so, and he comes up, he gives me a big hug. He's gone, thanks, man. I love that album too. It's so cool. Like, yeah, yeah. And he goes, I show that album to all. Like, I show that album to everyone, man. It's so cool. Like I yeah, love. Yeah. It's such a good band, you know. And I'm going, dude, the singer lives up the road. And he's like, you have to get him down here. I want to meet him because I've never met him, you know. <laughs> So it was really cool, but we're having a good chat about it all. And um, and Rusty's, I remember Rusty saying, he goes, dude, you know, I started Electric Mary when I was like 41. Yes. You know what I mean? And I'm like, that blows my mind, right? Because yeah, for me, they're like a staple of the Australian ind- like rock industry. And you're 100%. Like, feel like they've been around for like ever. And they're, and obviously, they're just doing as good a work now as ever. Mm-hmm. And, and Rusty sort of said his age. I'm like, oh, I didn't realize you were kind of, you know, like, yeah, it didn't register that you were where you are, like the age you're at now. And, and, he's, yeah. and he's going, well, yeah, man, I started the band when I was like 41. Yes. I'm going, well, I'm 46 now. Yes. And I actually feel like I'm better singer than I've ever been, apart from still having that little issue where I know it can maybe go there. But I'm mm. I'm good at managing that. You know, I do a lot of backing vocals and all that sort of stuff now. I can sing pretty much anything I ever used to. Yeah, yeah. But when I'm, when I'm losing a bit of energy in that, because I, I can't sustain that, you know, anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't rehearse with bands and I don't sing for those length of periods, you time, know. Time, sure. But yeah, I did think about it at the time. I thought, you know what, man, maybe I should go and investigate that and maybe I should get, and I'm sure there's still an issue somewhere in there because it does happen still now and then. I can feel yeah. it. Well, you never know, man. Yeah, they might be able to find it now. Who knows? So who knows? Who knows? Might have another crack at that one day. One maybe day. I'll still, um, still, you know, have the dream. Hey, dude, can't <laughs> let the dream die. No, you never have. The, the dream never dies, man. That's it. That's it. Oh, that's that's wild, man. Um, and so when you've... Um, we'd love to now touch on, you know, what you do now with your days, mate, sitting here in Studio yeah. 1B. I, I feel like I can't really... Re- now that this place has been here, I can't really remember it not coming here now, man. Um, yeah. And But that's just my memory. Can you tell me and the listeners when this... Um, studio was was first up and running. Yeah, it was, uh, it was about 
July 2014, we opened doors. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. And the first band I had in was Dallas Frasca. Okay. Um, a friend of ours. Obviously, I haven't been around for a while. It was a bit of a risk because, like, I, you know, man, like, I've been out of music because of my voice problem and all that stuff. I'd been out of music for, like, I was a banker, man. Like, mm. And I, I got a package from NAB. And I got about 120 grand payout right, from right. NAB, the golden handshake. There was, I was a state manager for capability, and there was two of us doing that role. Sure. And they said, ah, we're downsizing. We only want one person doing the role. I had a great relationship with them. Got no issues at all with the bank. Like, good friends there still and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, man, I've been here for 15 years, and I don't even know how I became a banker. Like, it's just... I still, I look back now, and apart because apart from the voice issue, if that hadn't happened, I don't think I ever would have been a banker. Yeah, like, yeah. Because my life was about playing music, man. That, that was all it was about. Bring, bringing it back to the start of the conversation about yeah. community and wanting totally. to be part of community. That's what brought you to music was that 100%. craving inside you. Yeah, yeah. wanted to be a part of that. Yeah, um, and you know, and and I think, um, and I kind of lost my identity as a musician in that way. Like mm. I was a banker now, and and yeah, I sort of. It was fine. Well, so what, what happened, how it all began, how this whole thing happened was, so there's a band called The Bits. Hmm. So uh, good friends of mine and, and amazing band. Um, the drummer used to be the, the old drummer of Body Jar, Ross Hetherington. And, okay. And um, we also, um, the drummer from Killing Heidi um, sort of came in doing a fair bit of stuff with it as well. Yeah. And so I'd actually, well, it was actually my wife because I'd gone back and started getting guitar lessons because because my voice was cack, I'm like, well, maybe I should learn an instrument or do something because I, I kind of got through about eight years of just doing banking. And, you know, man, as a musician, as a songwriter, there's just this massive void, you know? Like, yes. you're like, I was happy to have a break, as you do, like, because after 15 years of pushing, 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 and then all the drama of my voice and I was, you know, being stressed about that for a good year, like... It was kind of nice to have a break and not even yeah. think about it. Not trying to book gigs anymore and all, oh. the, you know, all the stuff that goes, goes with along it. With it. Yep. Man, anyone who's not in a band who listens to this, the amount of effort these guys all put in and the work and time and you know energy that goes into creating the music they create, hmm. the average person has no idea, man. Like, Yeah, that's it. And and it's it's tough, you know, to to keep um to keep focused and not get paid any money yeah. and and follow your dream. And yeah. it's like winning the lotto if you can break through somehow, you it's, know? It's like when I find out there's original musicians out there, and I've interviewed a lot of them as well, that um, just do not play covers. Yeah. It's I, like, I was always like that, apart from that first band we talked about. Uh, we never played yes. a cover, man, ever. Like, and it you've was never done us. the cover thing, have you? Nah. No. That was know? like th- like three months, you know, before I got sacked from it, you know, like right, my first right. band. And, and I can't and, remember ever yeah. not playing covers, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I don't think I will ever, I mean, I would love not to have to play covers, mm. um, but I'm like, well, you know, I've got this thing I can do, you know, I'd be silly not to subsidize my income by playing covers, whereas a lot of people go, no, I would rather do anything but that. Yeah, I was always Music that Music is always like, no, 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 that's creative outlet and I'm not going to, you know, totally, play man. other ch- people's tunes, which is so admirable, man. Yeah. Like, that's that's crazy. Well, it was know, always cool my thing. attitude for, in, for what you're saying because um, and it, it wasn't a snobby thing at all, to be honest. No. Like, I totally risked. Like, my old drummer, when he left... When he, when he said he was leaving us, he's actually the drummer of um, Appetite for Destruction, the Guns N' Roses tribute band. Yes. Who, who are actually 
bloody good at what they do. They're really good tribute band. They're yeah, one, of the, one of the better ones that do that stuff. And he's been doing that ever since, like for the last ten years or whatever, man. There you go. Um, and he's and he's done really well. He's in an eighties cover band now. He's he's working all the time. Man. He mm. plays two or three shows a week, and he's real busy, you know, and yeah. playing, doing real well. But it's like I don't know, man. I just I found it soulless, like because mm. when you know, man, there's nothing like. I remember, you know, you do a show. And someone would come up to you after a gig and go, especially because I was the, the lyricist and the songs were my songs and mm. you know the, what they were about and everything. Yeah. And they come up to you and they go, "Man, that song you played, um, the third one, man, it just made such a difference to me, man. Like it really hit home what you're singing about." Sure. And for someone to do that about my song, what I wrote, yeah. and to connect with that in that way, that I don't care how much money I'm making, man. Yeah, it's about that That's connection. That's what it's about. Yeah, that. yeah, Right yeah. there is what it's about. And when, you know, if I was playing covers, and I know dudes in heaps of cover bands, and they come up and they go, oh, man, when you played that song, yeah, it's cool, man. Yeah, But someone yeah. else wrote that and yeah, whatever, you know. Yeah, so yeah. that was just, and again, that's not me, um, like, downgrading doing covers. Like, there's an, a place for it, man. But oh, 100%. Like, from my own personal perspective, I just couldn't put the energy into that. Like, it just didn't mm. do it for me at all, mm. you know. Um, yeah, my yeah. my my um, take on it is has always been like, look, you know, I, I as an acoustic artist uh, doing you know the covers thing, I've I'm <laughs> I know there's songs that I should have learnt by now yeah. because I'm you know getting paid. Play to, horses, you know, right? Yeah. <laughs> so when I play horses, yeah. I do just the <laughs> chorus and I put it at the end of um oh um. What's the song? Hunters and Collectors. Yeah, yeah. Holy Grail or Holy something. Holy Grail. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, because it's the same chords, yeah. you know? Um, and so whenever anyone asks me, oh, have you played horses? I'm like, yeah, I did actually. Yeah. yeah, I did a chorus. But what I was uh, going to say was I, I've never learnt like, you know, Ed Sheeran or something. Yeah, yeah. And that gets requested pretty much one out of two so- shows mm. I do. Mm. Can you play Ed Sheeran, Pieces of You or whatever? I go, yeah, no. I do more of the older stuff. <laughs> I do the Eagles and Pearl yeah, Jam yeah. and Powderfinger yeah. and Foo Fighters. If you don't want that, then don't stay. That's cool. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, no. I I, even though I love doing covers, I I still I still try to hold on to the fact that no, I'm not going to learn that song. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm still going to play something. If I'm going to have to do this, I'm going to play stuff that I still still kind of dig. You know, Um, which. Is probably totally a good or a bad thing depending on oh, how look, you look I'll, at it. You know, it's great to jam it. Actually, we uh, actually I do tell a lie because ground we did release one cover. Oh, what was that? We did a tribute. Well, we did it in our own way completely, but um, yeah. it was Boys Light Up. Oh, great track. Yeah, because we actually well one of the, uh, there's a time there where we did we're doing pretty well. And we we got um I think it was Australian Music Week and we got there was they did a little um. Well, they did this scheme where they were, they were matching up like up and coming bands with like really well known artists, you oh, know, that have been around for years. Yeah, and we and we play. We got the show with James Rain, mm. and we're out the front of um, the art center, like outside on the grass, out there with massive stage and James Rain, and and we got to support James Rain, just us and him, you know. Mm. And it was meant to be a bit of a bit of a mentor thing, like. You know, because like there he's an upcoming. Triple R were running it, and Triple right. R, Triple R on Australian Music Week, and Triple R used one of our tracks for like the promo for all of it and stuff Beautiful. as well, which is real cool. And, yeah, and yeah, like so, yeah, 
<laughs> so we ended up, yeah. I, we, actually, I wasn't a massive fan of James Rain after that gig, but anyway, uh, we. But, but after that, we we ended up doing, uh, yeah, Boys Light Up. It was like a real punk version of Boys Light Up. Yeah, it was man. pretty cool actually. Yeah. Nah, that that is definitely a really fun thing to do in the original scene. Is just slip in a cover here and there, and, yeah. and if you can, something that inspired you a bit. And, exactly, yeah. and it's that's the it's a tribute environment rather than yeah, a cover than a cover. Yeah. Because that's the environment in which you can do something a little bit more eclectic, a little bit yeah, more yeah. unwell known. And then the people in the audience may or may not know it, and you yep. can kind of have a little bit more fun with it, you know, because you yeah. aren't making it. I think your we own. did it towards the yeah. end as well. We started bringing that stuff in maybe towards the back end of like maybe year seven, year eight of when we we're together out of sure. the ten years. Because sure. we're like, yeah, like, but we before that we were all just us, us, us pushing yeah, our music, yeah. and then we go. Oh. And the other thing we used to do is we used to like working out ways to bridge songs and stuff and make it a great live show. More so of a medley and stuff, which yeah. I bang on a bit to all the bands here. It's like, man, the show, man, end to end, you got to make it great from start to finish. So yes. Be, so what we do is we go. Oh, this song's kind of in the same key as this Sabbath song or something. Yeah. So we wouldn't we'd actually never cover a Sabbath track, but then we just to bridge that song to the next one, we might just drop into like a Sabbath riff that everyone knew, like I don't yeah. know, War Pigs or something. And everyone's going, Hey, that's cool, you know, and then you go bang into your song, you know, after that yes. again. But it was just a riff for maybe thirty seconds, you know, mm. just to jam out a bit for a second and then bang to your song again. It was never a cover, but it was a bit of a tip your hat to them a little yeah, bit, that kind yeah. of vibe. And I think that was that's always a pretty cool way to do it. Yeah, totally. Know? I totally agree. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you see your live band that is going in from going to what the one song to the next song to the next song and there's hardly any breaks so they're yep. literally you know the guitarist is still going or the bass player is still going mm-hmm. um, and you go oh okay and you, you do clap you give them a bit of a clap and then you're like a ga 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 yeah. and you're like oh okay yeah. they've got the next yeah, one already yeah, I know that yeah, yeah, yeah instead of going hey thanks for coming guys you know, you know I mean you need to say that yeah. but also you need to keep the, the, the show going yeah. Um, so yeah and so Studio 1B 1B so how did it come about yes yeah okay so I, I was getting to that and I did get sidetracked on that story so that's all right. Um, so it was actually my wife. So my wife. So I own a couple of properties, a subdivided property in Glenroy. It's what I, the house I grew up in. I bought it off my dad, mm. and I don't live there now. I live in Fitzroy. But we were renting that property as three. There was um one A, one B, and Unit Two. Ah. So Unit Two is on the subdivided, totally separate, and then the front house one, the main house, had an extension on it, which we had separated like with a brick wall, but it was still attached to the house. So, okay. so we rented it out as three separate rentals. So it was one A and one B in unit two. So my wife said to me, why don't you kick out the tenants from, because I was like, oh, I really want to play music again. I don't even know where to begin, blah, blah. Mm. I had a little bit of a project with my old guitar teacher, actually, which didn't really go anywhere. And, and as a part of that, I bought the Allen and Heath desk that I started with. Yes. For the money, it was about five grand. For the money, it was probably the best sort of desk for the money. So sure, I bought it for him, and then we had a little bit of a thing because he, and then and I said, look, just give me the desk, man, and I'm gonna go. And so I had this desk sitting in my room at home. Mm. My wife's like, why don't you kick the tenants out of one B? Yeah. And just turn, make it into a little home studio, um, and get back into it. You know, start writing some stuff, and which was awesome, man. Because I think you spend my wife and I have been together twenty seven years. Sure, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I think uh, I think she was real happy to have a break from the band too. After because she was there the whole way, man. Like for fifteen years, me being in bands, playing shows, going on tours, whatever. And I think she was real happy to have a break from it as well. But like, I, I'm still real stoked with her because she like, that she did that. She sort of said, "No, no, you should go and do that." 
I'm mm. like, okay, that's cool. It's oh, a good idea. I don't even know where to begin. Like, I'd never, I'd never used Logic or Pro Tools. Never done any of that. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay. So when now I, was, I remember, and Josh actually from um, the Bits, uh, Josh King, he usually tells this story. But I was at the bank still at the time, and I said. I remember going up to Josh because his band and my band used to play a lot together back in the day, and he used mm. to, he works at NABS as well. So we knew each other from NAB, and we'd been his band called the Bankers back then, <laughs> and they were like the they were like keyboards and heaps of fun and stuff. And then they so they'd come on be the comedy act at the start, and yeah. and then we'd come on and rock after them, you know. So we did a lot of shows together. It was good good vibes, and and I remember saying to Josh, I go, dude, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna set up a studio, yeah. and I. I'll, I reckon it's going to be heaps of fun. Let's go do this. And he's going, right, well, I'm going to bring the bits in and we're going to record our first album with you. <gasps> and I said, cool. So I had like, yeah, you know, the drummer from Body Jar, the, you know, had the drummer from Killing Heidi coming in and all this sort of stuff. I'm going, oh. ah, which I kind of knew the guys, you know, I've met them all, I knew them, you know, from before as well. And yeah, so there's yeah. no dramas, but it's like, yeah. So my first band was like the drummer from Body Jar, and, you know, like they were recording. And I'm like yes. sitting there and it's like, and actually the room was the the bedroom part of it was probably about this big, like enough to get a kid in. That was it. And then I, well, then I had like a lounge room area that I'd set the control room up in. It was just a one bedroom sort of setter, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah, man. So we did the first Bits album. And then I said, I'd been writing a heap of stuff with the guitar, my guitar teacher and all that stuff. And, and I'd written an album pretty much. Right. So I said to all those guys, I'm like, right. I'll record all this for you and I'll learn as we go. It'll be a bit of fun. Mm. And then if you guys don't mind, would you play on my album? Because I'm a shit-ass musician. Like, as in, I can play a little bit of guitar, a bit of drums or whatever, but I'm I'm no good at it. Like, I'm not going to record it as an album, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a singer and I'm a songwriter. So so I'll be like, I demoed it all up myself. And sure. then I go, right, here's the disc. You, know, you guys come and bring yourself to it, you know? Mm. So I recorded my album then. Um, which still hasn't seen the light of day because like, back then I didn't know what I was doing, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, they, I'm really happy with the songs, but the when I recorded them, they weren't so good. So I wouldn't want to show them to anyone now. Like, if, I st- yeah. if I released them, they'd be like, okay, this guy's a producer. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I'm actually, I've got plans to maybe properly re- it re-record it all now because I, really, I do really dig the songs. Yeah. I had some ideas actually where I'll float this out there, but I, I might go to all the bands that come here. And go, here's one song each. Yeah, right. Uh, I'll do a compilation album, a 1B compilation. They're all my songs and I'll sing them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'll go the like- backing I'll, band for this one yeah, is this, yeah. this band. So I might get like a gazillion angry Mexicans to play this track. And That's I'm like, a yeah, really good idea, It'd be a pretty cool you concept album, totally man. do that. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think they'd all dig it. So I'll just set it all up and go, right, guys, here's the song. Because I've done, I've actually, re- I've recorded them all. So mm. all the bands can go and take them away and they know what they are. Yeah. So they could all go and practice them and then I'll just, yeah, get it. And, and bring their style to it though, you know, not yeah. mine. Though. So yeah, okay. You can sing over the top of it and be like, oh, this is not where I was thinking this song yeah. would go, but it's cool. Let's totally, do it. Totally, man. Yeah, Whatever. Yeah. So it'd be a pretty interesting concept album. And I think it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway, that's another little pipe thing. And so moving forward, um, you started in the, in that Studio 1B yeah. um, subletted um, apartment there, but then eventually you decided to move here. Yeah, well, like, the package came up So at NAB. So they said, well, you know, there's a package on offer. And, and I said, you know what? 
Yeah. I'm going to take it. I'm going to make, I'm going to build a studio, man. Like, yes. <laughs> whatever. And I always went with that whole attitude that, you know, it's that whole, you know, field of dreams thing, you know, if they, mm. if I build it, they'll come kind of vibe. Cause back then, I, like I said, I had some friends and stuff and I, from way back, but I wasn't really in the, in the industry. Like I, yeah, I hadn't been at going to shows or anything like, you know, and know any, any guys like yourself who are actually doing it at the moment and all that. Yes. Yes. And you're like, uh, yeah, well, let's give it a crack and see what happens. Mm. I think you just back yourself in. Cause like, Getting back to what we're talking about right at the start, I'm all about community, right? So, I think being an only child and growing up in the church, and I don't get, I've been in church for like 20 years probably, you know, like since I was 18 or something, and I stopped playing drums in church. And I think um, that was sort of my community, right? So, in a way, this is like the church of Dave, you know, like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of my church, man. This is my place where I kind of built it and. And I was really deliberate, to be fair. Like, I've only got two rehearsal rooms in the recording the recording studio. Yes. And I was really deliberate about keeping it at that size to begin mm-hmm. with because I didn't want... You know, I mean, I spent t- 15 years going to rehearsal studios with 20 rooms. Yes. And you go, oh, yeah, there's really, this this really cool band that I know rehearsed down there. You know, we should go down and rehearse there. Mm. And you know what, man? You end up having a fight with them because you're trying to load in and no one can get a park. And you know what I mean? It was always that... It's like no one ever talks to anyone at those places. Like, no, yeah. You know, they all go down there and like, yeah, man, like um, we rehearsed this really cool place, but there's like 30 rooms and, and no one ever speaks to anyone unless we're yelling at each other to load in and get out of our way or you've taken my car park, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. When I built this, I was like, I want a place with ground loading that takes... You know, the, anyone can park kind of anywhere and not have to stress. Sure. Um, and I only want a few rooms because what happens when everyone comes here, they actually speak to each other. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You know, man. Like, you come here to rehearse sometimes. Like, the, the Ugly King boys are sitting out there right now. And when you guys all come in to have a rehearsal, you'll come in and you'll say, hey, you go, man, you'll have yeah, a chat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's only two bands. Exactly, yeah. You know, or three max. I have three bands at most here at a time. That's you know? right, yeah. So, that, and... Generally, because I've never advertised, not uh, once, you uh, know. So, which blows my mind because yeah. I think I was first introduced to um to Studio One B um by uh, by my brother-in-law, yeah, Jimbo, Jimbo, yep. um, and he's like, oh, you should come down. And I think I tried to like find some information about. It. I couldn't nothing. find it. Nothing. <laughs> Maybe I'm spelling it wrong. Uh, yeah. Okay. No, there's still nothing, you know. Um, and then and then I think yeah, since 2014. When whenever we've we've been able to get in here, hmm. because a lot of the time, yeah, it is booked because yeah. it is such a small space, you know. Unless you get in, you know, pretty early, a lot of the time it's not. A, 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 most of the time, when I'm rehearsing somewhere else, it's because oh fuck, yeah, I should have bloody yeah. done so this. Call me two weeks ago, it would have yeah. been fine. Yeah. Not the day of, dickhead, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Oh well, before oh, I will we- have some. Ex- I'm, look, I am looking to expand out the front at some time. Soon. A little bit. So I want to sure. have. Now that I've built that foundation, and again, yeah. I didn't advertise, but the, the reason I did that was because I wanted to build a community of bands. And you have. Yeah, totally. Like, and I'm so I'm super proud of it, man. Like mm. the, the bands I have here are quality bands and they're really good dudes. And man, there's so often, I'll probably do it tonight where I'll be mm. like, dude, I've got to get home, man, because I haven't been home for like six days. Yeah. And I haven't seen my wife and it's all late nights and you never get to go home. So I'm like... Yeah, tonight's just rehearsals. I don't have to be here for recording and actually have do hands-on stuff. Mm. So, hey, do you mind locking up 
And yep. and all the bands are cool. Like, yeah, man, no worries. I'll lock up. And course, totally yeah. can trust everyone here because everyone that comes here has been all so organic. They've all come from referring from other people. And exactly. No one walking off the street that I don't know or, ha- or no one else knows, you know. Yeah, So yeah. it's been real cool. But, I mean, I'll, I probably will... Um, get a few more rooms out the front and that yeah. means it'll end up being say five or six rooms you know and then yeah. which is still not too big I don't want to go to ten kind of vibe like no. I was saying before I'm still really adamant to keep that community yeah. focus and yeah um, it's really, yeah. so I'm pretty pumped about where it's heading that's cool um, hmm. well talking about where it's heading um, you did mention before we were on air that there was something you did want to kind of spruik a little bit maybe now, you could talk I'll, a touch on a little I'll, bit I'll drop a bit of a, it a preview a drop yeah I will What's the drop info? it for you but yeah. um, I'm not going to give too much detail at the moment but we're working really hard at the moment on setting up uh, an agency mm-hmm. um We've got five bands we're starting with. I won't say who just yet, mm. um, but I'm really excited about the bands we've got. Um, and as a part of that, I was going to probably do it a bit later, but I've had some advice around maybe just do it now. And I think it's for the best because I want to help every. I want to help a lot of bands. So if I'm only helping five bands as in management and agency wise, mm. then it means you know I can't really take on more than that to begin with because you really want to give the focus to, the, to them and make sure you get the best results for those those bands yes um but we're probably we're going to launch a label as well so yeah, nice. that which will mean i can help there's so many great bands here that i work with man like um i mean from warbirds who just dropped their album yeah that sounds amazing you know i did a little pre-production for that and 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 they they recorded it at color sound and it sounds awesome it's such a great piece of work yeah you know stuff like that which and these guys need help you like to get their album out there properly, not just, yeah, we'll pay our 10 bucks a year to just get it up on Spotify, but they need proper digital distribution, someone driving that a bit and getting it placed well and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's so, not easy, yeah. So, you yeah, know, where I've sort of started off sort of building that um, community of bands, I also see now that there's, I've had, well, it, this all started because I had two, two of those bands have approached had approached me about six months ago and said, we really need help, man. Like we, they're the, I won't mention who they are at the moment, but they, they're really good bands doing really well mm. in the Melbourne sort of scene. And, mm. but how do you go from rural in Melbourne to kind of in your pocket of the world to kind of being nationally and internationally recognized? Yeah. That's the thing. Like, so what's that secret source? Uh, which I can't say I know just yet, but um, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have some really amazing help with it all. So yeah, yeah. If I didn't have, um, like I say, I won't, I won't go into details at this point. But if I didn't have this person helping me, who's mm. really well known in the industry, been around a long time, giving me the support to do it, yeah, I probably wouldn't have taken it on board either because I don't want to do it and, and be one of those people who go, oh, yeah, he says he's going to do all this stuff and never does it. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I think you guys all kind of know with this place, it's like I say, yeah, I'm going to do this and I do it. You know? Yes, yes. So I guess you can take it to the bank a bit that, you know, if I say I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And I'm not going to do it shit. I want to do it properly. That's really exciting, man. Um, yeah, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll stay tuned for, for more information on that from, um, yeah, from yeah. Dave Waters. I'll, I'll definitely keep sure. you in the loop. Uh, yeah, it won't yeah. be far off. And when we launch it, everyone will know because I'll make That's sure sick. of it. But yeah. um, it'll probably be a couple. We're a couple of months away, I think, from really nailing down the bits and pieces and building yeah, cool. the structures for it all. And, and again, if you're going to do something like this, you're going to do it properly and set it up properly. Like, you know, I've just 
signed the paperwork for a new, the new company set up and all mm. that kind of stuff. So mm. once that infrastructure is all built, and I've got three amazing people that are going to help me to do it, um, yeah. who know they're not going to get paid really to begin with. Sure, yeah. Um, but, but excited to work with you and 100%. get it off the ground. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool, man. And, and look, uh, uh, before we, we do say, say goodbye for, for the interview t- today, tonight, whenever you're listening, um, I would I did want to touch on a little bit of the corporate work that you do here at um, Studio yeah. 1B oh, yeah, and, cool. and how there's some of the companies that come in and, and you know, you basically cut a song with them. Can you yeah, tell us a little cool. bit about that? Yeah, that's a good question. I forgot. I didn't even think, I haven't thought. Uh, so what I've, yeah, so what we do, I think, when I left NAB, like I said, I was actually um, head of capability for the state. So my job at NAB was I'd go around and actually assess like the um, the, the capability gaps of like branches, you know, like store managers and bankers and all that sort of stuff and go, okay, well, there's a bit of a trend here, like there's a bit of a gap. And then I'd go back to the office and write a program, you know, like, which, and then I'd facilitate that. So I was right. like, so I'd, that was kind of my job at NAB. And when I left, I sort of thought, right, well, I know bands have no money. Hmm. Right, so I'm not going to make a living from bands, man. Like, bands, they're all poor bastards, right? Yes, like, I yes. used to be too, so I totally get that, right? Yeah. And I think most of you, most people you talk to will probably tell you how, how patient I am when it comes to them paying and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> um, and, yeah, you know, look, and because of that, I probably haven't grown super quickly, you know? Like, I haven't made a lot of money, you know, like, from sure. doing what I do because, you know... So, my business plan was always to maybe leverage corporate world a little bit and yes. make money there because right, right. and then if I could make look honestly if I did one of these corporate gigs a week just one of them a week mm. it's really good money and it's really really cool I wouldn't probably wouldn't even have to charge bands to be honest with you I'd be mm. happy with that and help the bands do their thing you know so that was kind of the whole thing but I um, I started out with bands and kind of and I love the band that's what I love the most yeah. but the corporate stuff is general look it's pretty much what I do is I take um, corporate teams like NAB or any of those guys, and they'll they'll come in here and we'll we actually write the music, uh, mm-hmm. an original piece of music, mm-hmm. write and record it. Uh, we do ask their lead. We'll say to their lead, okay, well, what sort of style and genre do you want? And they might say, oh, we want hip hop or we want whatever it is. Sure, yeah. Um, and we'll write a piece of music, and when they come in, it's a proper like it's because I come from NAB and corporate world, and it's a like I've actually written the program. It's well structured, so it actually. Um, helps them to unite and what it's really all about. I think the best teams, um, the best teams are united in their vision mm-hmm. and they understand how they, so they're aligned. It's all about alignment. Team building. Yeah, well, it is team building. I think it's, so what I'm focused on is aligning that team. Okay. So it is a team building thing, but the co- the core, the, Key to a real to a great team, I think, is an aligned team. They understand there's an overarching goal they all sign up for. Sure. Now, as individuals, individually, you'll all be like, "Well, my needs are different to his needs," even yes. though I'm in the team with you. Yes. And I understand, but but the main thing is I understand how what my how my needs fit into the overarching big picture. Because if I know that, then I'm still always working towards that. Right. With my personal goals in mind, just like they are. But so what they actually do when they come in here? Do they sing a well, song? Well, I help them. Yeah. Well, So I actually help them to... First, we spend more than half the day not even singing or doing any music. Okay. And every one of them, I pretty much had the boss come up to me and go, hey, man, are we going to do a song here? Like, what's what's going on? Yeah. And I'll be like, yeah, man, don't worry. You've done all the work for it now. It's just going to come together now, you know? Ah. So we get to... Like, I've structured it all. So I help them to write the words and what they want to say and what they sign up for. Mm-hmm. And then 
the second half of the session is them actually singing it. They sing it themselves and we I coach them through that. Right. And you look, some of them aren't the best singers in the world, but it's not about that. It's about um, putting yourself on the line and getting outside your comfort zone. I'm not asking you to jump out of a plane, but most people would actually find this probably just as much, if not more daunting than yeah, jumping out right. of a plane. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Because public speaking and stuff, like you try getting up in front of your peers yeah. and singing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we all know when we started out how, how tough it is to sing. Like these guys get up there and like never done it before in yeah. front of all that. But but I think it's really, it's been, I've never had a bad one. Like they've, every one of them has been super rewarding for the team because- That's great, man. The rest of them are all sitting out there going, you know what? I'm not going to give them crap because I'm about to get up there too, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, it's a real good leveler, you know? Like even yeah. from, from CEO down to, the, you know, whoever, um, when they come in here- None of them can sing, so that's it. You're all in the same boat, field. brother. You know, yeah, yeah. It's good. yeah. Oh, that's a really cool thing, man. Well, yeah. we've certainly touched on a, a great many things um, with your career, and and look, uh, I I do want to take this opportunity to say um, thank you on behalf of the of the community that you've built here because we just love coming here. You know, it's, it's my pleasure, mate. You always yeah. know that's going to be a great vibe when you come into Studio One B, um, and. Whenever people ask me about a place where they could go to rehearse or record, I always it's always the first thing out of my mouth. Thanks, man. It's like, oh, where do you live? Oh, yeah, you should go to One B. Dave will look after you. Dave will look after you, and yeah, thanks, and that man. really speaks to your character and what you've been able to build here, man. So thank you so much. Well, it's, I appreciate that because it's I, a I cool think, thing, man. Thanks for saying that. I, I think because my goal, I think, is always to make a difference. Yeah, that's yeah. what matters to me. Mm, mm. So to hear that matters so i appreciate you saying yeah of it. course think, man um sometimes all bands need is someone behind them man like supporting like saying yeah man you can do this like it's yeah and just giving them that ver- like that support around them on a consistent basis and giving them you know a little bit of some backing behind them a little bit whether mm. i can help them do big things or not just having that person in your corner that says yeah man you can do that is important yeah, you know cool and i think all yeah it's it's tough enough without people you know, out there doing what we do, you know, mm-hmm. writing and getting on stage and all that stuff. It's it's a tough gig and it takes a lot of energy and effort and yeah, and it's made all the tougher if you don't have people backing you in a bit. So 100%. it's always been my goal to do that. So I appreciate you saying that, man. Uh, of Thank course, you. man. Well, if there are any musos out there that haven't already heard of Studio 1B, um, where would we go to, um to yeah, to get in contact with you? That's and a real good question. No, no, you can, you can go to- um, There's a Facebook, isn't there now? Th- there is. There, oh, there's always a Studio 1.B. Yes. Studio on Facebook. 1.B on Facebook. Um, and the website is 1bproductions.com. Beautiful. O-N-E-B-E, productions.com. It's about to get, with all the stuff I was just talking about, we're mm-hmm. about to rip that down and do and rebrand an it. amazing new website, which is, yeah, about to happen. And it's so, going to keep the same name or you going, you're changing be, the name as well? Yeah, I'm going to have everything under the one banner with the site. It'll be 1B Productions. Um, it'll be 1B Agency for the booking. Mm-hmm. And we haven't locked it down, but I'll give it to you. Because you all know that this this site is a place that makes headstones, so we're going to call it Headstone Records. Oh wow, that's yeah. so cool, be cool, man! I love that. Yeah, and all the musos that come here will totally get that get reference. That, yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I thought we, and it's not, yeah, yeah. It, it, be, like I said, it's not locked down yet, but yeah, um, that's probably as much as I could tell you. No, I dude, you've told us everyone. enough. That's yeah. a very, very cool thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave, thank you so much for sharing your stories with us today, and we will see you in the studio. Awesome, man. Thanks, see you, brother. dude. Ciao. Thanks, man.
And that is a wrap, Sizzlers, episode 78. All done. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, man, give the podcast a share on social media. Use the hashtag Art of Touring Podcast on Instagram and give us a follow at Art of Touring Podcast. If you are a first-time listener, come on back. Come on. Come back to the pod next week. Or even better yet, go back in time and have a look. There's 77 other episodes you can check out. I'm sure you'll find someone you recognize. If not, if there's no one you recognize, just check out, let's see, a random episode, episode 31 with Erica Reed, the voodoo uh, dreamtime voodoo witch, Erica Reed. She's a wrestler. Great interview. Check that one out. There you go. Um, hey, listen, Art of Turing listeners, if you'd like to get in contact with me, please, you can email me directly at artofturingpodcast at gmail.com. Maybe you would like to come on the show. Uh, maybe you know someone who would like to uh, be a guest or you think would be a good fit. Please get them to send me a message on Instagram at Art of Turing Podcast or email me at artoftouringpodcast at gmail.com. I think I said that twice. <laughs> it's getting late. You can listen to Art of Touring on Wooshka and you can download it on iTunes. If you have enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to give the podcast a rating within the podcast app on your phone and write a short review. Now, let's get into some plugs. On Saturday, October 26th, the Pass Outs will be performing. Second time this year, baby. The, I know we play a lot. Uh, at the Matthew Flinders Hotel alongside uh, Red Star Born. Those boys are from uh, Queensland, I believe. And uh, joining us also on the night will be Torrential Thrill and Eat the Damn Orange. Uh, you can grab tickets on the door um, or you can go to the website. Come on down for a night of awesome rock and roll music that is on saturday october 26th at the matthew flinders hotel it's in chadston man near chadston there so uh if you're on that side of town come and check it out that's all from me this week uh before i go i have a few shout outs shout out to chris wall he designed the artwork for this show you're listening to so you can follow him on instagram at mr wall spelt w-a-h-l Big thanks to my guest this week, Dave Warner. Uh, You can follow Dave's um, studio, studio1.b, on Facebook. um, And uh, all of the things that he spoke about during the pod, all of those socials will be up very, very soon. Uh, That's all from me this week. Thanks again for listening, Sizzlers. Tune in next time for another episode of The Art of Turing with the Sizzdog. And remember, this week's podcast was brought to you by Kenny Rogers Roasters. Early Chook in Midtown, New York. Worth a bite.